Welcome to Superlative. I am your podcast host, Ariel Adams. In each episode, you will meet someone who has inspired or takes inspiration from today's wristwatch industry. Every week, let's dive deep into the world of crafting exotic timepieces from the people who dream them up to the people who dream of them. It's time to get started and meet today's guest. Hey everyone, Ariel Adams here with the Superlative Podcast. My guest today is Mr. Hakeem El Kadiri. He is the founder of Elka Watch. Hakeem, welcome. Hello, Ariel. Thank you for your invitation on Superlative Podcast. It's really an honor to be here with you. Uh, my pleasure. You were introduced to me, highly recommended, if you will, by a mutual colleague, um, Alon from Ace Jewelers, who I believe has also been on the Superlative Podcast. Probably have to have him back. And he is a real advocate. Um, I guess that's an interesting sort of place to start is with people like Alon who bridge the last mile, as I say, between watch and customer and are those, you know, those men and women that, that get the watches that people tell, talk a little bit about the importance in the industry of guys like Alon and Ace Jewelers. You know, I, I know Alon for many years. I mean, I was working in the past for Hamilton and he had already, that was something in 2008, um, 2008 or 2010. I don't really remember that, that the real time, but uh, so we had a good relation at that time. And already in 2008 or 2010, he had already his own podcast. I mean, that was a different kind of of uh, communication, but uh, you can still find the, 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 the interview he did uh, at that period. So it's on YouTube. It's amazing. Uh, he um, is really, as you said, um, a link between um, the people who like to watch the brand. So he knows almost everyone in, um, in the watch industry. It's amazing. Yeah, I mean, I've known him for years and I just, that's one of the reasons I started the show, to be honest, is that years from now, I worry that the personalities, the voices, the interactions that make today's watch industry will be lost and no one will know the reason uh, why a store was popular or why a brand was cool unless they get some of these conversations to talk about it. And I think that I've always seen certain retailers as being these unsung heroes and what shocks me right now is that a big part of the watch industry is moving so much in the direction of cutting out the independent retailer because they think they can sell by themselves. And what it leads me to believe is that this is the most amazing news for brands like Elka, because if the big watch brands, the corporate owned ones are no longer filling up the space in the stores, they can go back to promoting brands like yours, right? The third party retailers. Yes. Uh, it's exactly this uh, I can see and I have the chance also to be now, um, I mean, to develop the brand today. Uh, because I would say before, I mean, every big brand was uh, selling also through retailers. And today I have the feeling that, I mean, it's probably not a feeling, that most of the big brand, the big group are doing their own uh, shops, they are having their own retail, they are also selling more and more also on their own web website. And I think it's a big chance today also for micro brands, for independent brands to be seen also and to be uh, uh, sold also in, uh, in retailers like, uh, I mean, 
you can see uh, all over the, the, the planet. So it's really a big chance today. So when I'm going to see, to visit the stores, um, I have the chance to be taken by the retailers. And, and that's important because you put yourself in the shoes of the consumer and you're like, I'd buy from here, right? Yeah, that's right. That's right, yes. Now, Elka, of course, sells online, but has relationships with at least one retailer uh, with you know Ace. Talk a little bit about, as you start a brand today, this very strange situation where you have to kind of dabble in a few different sort of commercial strategies, like some wholesale, some direct-to-consumer, maybe some other things. Like, how have you been able to handle having to figure out all that in addition to, you know, getting a nice watch made at not too expensive a price? Yes. Um, today, uh, I mean, uh, developing a brand. So, of course, I mean, I'm by myself. I'm alone to develop the, the brand. So you have to develop the product. You have to develop the strategy. You have to develop also all the marketing, all, I mean, your website and everything. And today, uh, so you also have to discuss with retailers. But uh, as I said before, um, so there is a big chance today because uh, the space is getting uh, free for new brands. But you have also, um, as we did also with Ace, you have also to do some collaboration because nobody knows really the brand's Elka. Uh, nobody knows uh, about the background of, and the history of the brand. And you have to double that effort uh, to, to make the brand known also. So for you, that's why you would do collaborations is to help get the brand more well-known? I, I think, yes, I think I mean, it's not, I think, because that is also the second collaboration I'm doing. So I did the first one with a French magazine, which is called also Motor Heroes, Auto Heroes and Mont Heroes. And I think it's really a way that um, is helping uh, to to make the, the, the brand scene. Uh, you know, I mean, as an independent, so you don't have... Uh, the income, you don't have uh, the money also to spend in marketing. Uh, you don't have, I mean, you have really, I mean, it's like a, um, uh, the, the, um, the, the family wallet. So you have to spend for the watches, to, for the development, for things like this. And then after that, only after you have enough money so you can reinvest in new collections or in new products. So you have really a little amount of money and you, the, 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 the only thing that you can do is really to find kind of pirate ways of developing the brand. So a collaboration uh, like I did uh, with Alan was really, really, really good because Alan uh, is, uh, uh, as you said also before, he is known by everyone. He is really the man uh, uh, that who is going to gather, I mean, everyone. And it is something that is really helping uh, the brand to develop and to be seen. And Alan is really uh, a fantastic guy. And when he says something, he is going really to do it. And so he is involved. He is invested also in, uh, in the project. So I want to just describe what this collaboration was with Ace Jewelers so that people uh, can get some idea of it. Um, you'll have to go to the Elka website. It's elkawatch.ch in order to understand the basic design. There was four watches, actually, um, and each of them has a slight difference on the dial in the form of the uh, the text. 
Um, you have the sort of traditional Arabic numerals. Uh, you have uh, Hindi. You have uh, Chinese characters. And then, of course, you have Hebrew. And it's done in uh, what you would call the double digit. So it's essentially the minute track. Uh, they serve as the hour markers, but they are the minutes. And we have seen uh, other watches that have used uh, the, the letters from alphabets to represent numbers in Hebrew, for example, I believe in Arabic as well. Uh, that's the, in Hindi, that's, that's how it is. You can use those letters that in English you, you can't really, um, to represent numbers. This is a little bit different than some of the other things you did in terms of this, uh, different uh, languages. Whose idea was this? And for you as a brand owner, how do you decide who gets to have the final creative decision? Is it you? Is it the retailer? How do you, how do you figure that out? Because at the end of the day, there can only be one person's design that's made. Okay. Uh, I, I just want to add something also on because you Please. know that uh, Elka is my nickname because my name is Hakim Elkadiri. Okay. And all my friends are calling me Elka because, I mean, it's kind of really short name and it's easy. Oh, to, it's your nickname. Uh, That's cute. It's my nickname. And um, the, the, the other point is um, when I was looking for a brand, for a name uh, for the brand, I had in mind, first of all, I mean, to take Elgin, okay, an American brand, because I was working for Hamilton for years, and I love this kind of uh, period. I love this kind of design and so on. But then the name Elgin was also already taken. Then I went into a list. There is a list of one thousand seven hundred uh, names uh, on uh, on the, the the net, and uh, so still existing brands and dead brands. And then I went into this list and right after Elgin, I found the name Elka, which is Edouard Louis Kick from Amsterdam. Okay. And Elka watch brands, Elka watch co was already existing in the past, but the brand disappeared in the seventies. And, um, so when I took the name, uh, okay, I, I saw it, I wanted to protect it, and I saw that was uh, free of rights. And then I protected the name Elka Watch & Co. And once I did it, um, I called Alon because I knew him for years, and he told me, you know, uh, the brand Elka is something really interesting because I bought two shops to Mr. Kick, two shops in Amsterdam in, uh, to Mr. Kick, and then saw so this is kind of relation already between Elka and myself. That's cool. And uh, you know, Edouard Louis Kick from Amsterdam. Uh, so Mr. Kick was a uh, uh, Jew, and he wanted also to do a dial with Hebrew numbers. And he did it, of course, I mean. And Alan had one piece, and he showed me the piece. And then we said, okay, that is really interesting, but it's the one to the 11, uh, or sorry, the one to the 12. And one to 12 was interesting. But then, so we wanted to have a relation also with the series that I did, the X series from Elka, which is the mini track, as you said before. And then we said that could be something interesting. That could be um, uh, nice to have the mini track because the mini tracks is coming from the flight instrument 
that was done between uh, Heuer and Elka in the past. Uh, because in the past, they did already a lot of uh, um, collaboration. So they had collaboration with Vulcan, with uh, Minerva, with Heuer, and so on. And then we took the design of my X series and we placed the um, Hebrew numbers on it. That was really interesting. Uh, um, the, uh, in Hebrew, we don't have the zero zero, so we had to place the 60 instead of the zero zero at the beginning. That is the, the only uh, difference. And right. then, um, so as uh, I didn't want really to have only one piece, one model only. So the idea was also to create something like um, the diversity collection. And we call it diversity. It's like, I mean, a uh, crossroads between all the... Um, the people around the planet. So we wanted to do something also in Arabic, okay, the kind of Hindi numbers. And uh, we added also the Chinese and the regular model because uh, we uh, decided the color also, I mean, together, uh, Alan and myself. So at the beginning, we went to the, on the green color, but at the end, Alan wanted to have the blue because the blue is also the color of Amsterdam. So then it was really a communication uh, between us and we changed a lot of things. We changed the design, we changed the color, we changed the mood. And at the end, so we, uh, we found the, 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 I mean, the real model, the real models we wanted to have for the collaboration. Did you find that you could predict the people who would buy these things? Like, you know, did the, did the Hebrew dial go to people of Jewish background? Did the Chinese go Chinese? Or did you find that when people bought them, it actually went all over the place and there's no way to tell? No, not at all. Not at all. So, in fact, uh, it, it was not predictable. So, you know, I mean, uh, we sold, uh, I mean, alone knew that uh, where, I mean, the pieces were going. Uh, but um, the, the, the first pieces that we sold were the Hebrew models, okay? So the, here right. we have the, the, the main success is on the Hebrew uh, dial. Then after that, it is the regular uh, numbers, I mean, the regular Arabic numbers that uh, we right. are um, used to, to have. And the sum model is the Chinese, but usually it's not bought by the Chinese because usually if they buy... Uh, um, a Swiss-made watch. They don't want to have um, the 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 um, calligraphy, the, the Chinese calligraphy on the dial, because this is not something which is Swiss. And is that the same for people that are Chinese but not raised in China? Like there's people in America, no, for example. No, no, that, that, is a, that is a good question because most of the pieces that uh, we sold uh, with the Chinese numbers are people that are living abroad. That could be, I mean, in the Netherlands, that could be huh. in Singapore or, I mean, uh, in uh, in Malaysia. So we sold in different countries like this, but of course, I mean, uh, not yet also in China. And also I talked with uh, uh, people in Hong Kong and they say, no, no, I mean, this is something special. So if the people in China want to buy a watch, they want to have something that is really Swiss, if it's a Swiss-made watch. That makes sense. What do you think uh, was the issue with the Hindi one? Because, you know, obviously there's a bunch of people that speak that language and uh, India is a, a massive destination for watch appreciation. What, what do you think was the, the challenge there? Uh, frankly, I, uh, 
I have the feeling that is the nicest model. The, it's beautiful it's, looking. It is really elegant. It's um, it's really um, uh, clear. Uh, I think it's the for me it's the nicest one, but it was the less um, appreciated. I don't know why. Um, I don't know why. I have no idea. I have a, I have a guess. Tell me. Well, sometimes the problem is actually the creativity. Because we know that actually creative things takes a bit of time to become popular. And usually it is not the first person to do it. It maybe is the most trendy person to do it, which gets, uh, gets the, 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 the revolution going. But there is very little demand because there are very few watches like this. So people don't immediately know to like it. All these other ones, there's sort of some demand. There's you know, this group of people that love the Hebrew dials. We know this. Uh, the Chinese is sort of a, a special subset, smaller, but there. Of course, the traditional one, people already know that. But the Hindi is the most exotic because you don't see that very often. And I think that there might be a, a renaissance in the future of it and people will look back. But this is one of the amazing things with good watches is that a good watch is timeless. Uh, maybe we agree on this. But what isn't guaranteed is if it will be popular because sometimes the moment of time that pop culture wants to like it has not come yet or maybe has passed. And therefore, popularity and product quality, uh, there's always a difference there. You know what I mean? Yeah, mm -hmm. probably, yes. Mm -hmm. and, and so I think that when you look at it, you say, this is good. And what I have found, and I'd like, I'd like your opinion, because you come from some brands that, that have been pushing some of the, the, the classic designs for a long time, is that if you stick to a design that you know is good long enough, and you push it and you believe in it, eventually others will see what you see. Do you agree with that? Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. What is the best way to do that in the watch world? What did you maybe learn from the Swatch Group, who, you know, in some, in, for some of the brands have have done that quite well? Ham, Hamilton with the khaki. I mean, again, great design that they've been able to keep making still feels fresh. What do they do right? Uh, it's not easy, you know. I mean, you cannot say in the morning. I mean, waking up and say I want to develop an iconic watch. So uh, you know, sometimes you are so totally uh, surprised by the product. Sometimes you do a product that you are sure that will be the great, the fantastic, the marvelous product uh, because you trust on it. And at the end, I mean, it sells, but okay, it's kind of hard. Uh, and sometimes you do a product that you feel, okay, it's a little bit boring product. And at the end, it sells a lot. It's, um, it's, um, uh, I mean, more crazy the product is, less you have a chance, uh, to, to sell it. It's, it's something which is really, really, really surprising. But, um, when I was working for Swatch or Hamilton or Rado, so I, I had, uh, in mind to develop always something that was a bit crazy. The bit crazy was interesting to communicate. The bit crazy was a way to, to bring the brand somewhere else. Uh, that is going to communicate uh, because I mean, for instance, I mean, all, all the, 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 the medias, they prefer to have something that is special to talk about because a boring product or a normal product is going, I mean, okay, it's nice. Uh, you can wear it. Uh, nobody will have troubles with it, but at the end, it's not really interesting also to talk about, 
in the magazine. So my uh, um, strategy was to create always something really uh, weird, really bizarre to uh, to bring the brand a bit a step further. And then I think the customer is looking at the product and he uh, when he is buying also a normal product, is going to to think that he's buying the the crazy model and even if he has the the the, the product that is normal he has the craziness of the uh talking the the the, the, the PR tool if you want yeah. I look I loved those crazy watches I probably seen some of the ones you came out with always appreciate you did it and I want the industry to to continue doing it. And I have this a kind of philosophy I developed. I wrote an article about a while ago, and it has to do with the sort of popularity of what I call classic watches versus futuristic watches. And this is what I came up with. And again, I love your opinion. And you again, you have in the industry, you definitely have watches that when you're designing it, you're either sort of looking forward or looking behind you. There's really nothing else, right? So what I found is that when Economic times are good. People are thus optimistic about the future. They believe that they have something to look forward to in the future. There tends to be more open-mindedness to what we'll call futuristic designs. Conversely, when people are afraid of the future, pessimistic about it, and being nostalgic about the past, as they are today and have been for at least 10 years now, Mm -hmm. there is a deep interest in familiarity, comfort, classicism, reminders of better times, so to say. And I think for myself, that is a perfect explanation as to why the, uh, we'll call it just the classic watch trend has been so strong. And, and, I, and I'm sometimes guilty of it because some of those watches are fantastic and beautiful. Yours, your, your core design is a good example of how nice it can be. But I'd like your, your, your thoughts on this uh, analysis of, of the segmentation. Yeah, I totally right. I mean, uh, so look at uh, the watches. Um, let's say fifteen years ago, they were big, bold, colored, uh, with stones, uh, and uh, so usually you couldn't uh, close your shirt on, on top of the watch because they were, they were <laughs> really big and bulky. Because everyone was, I mean, in a really good period, and I wanted to show that they uh, really uh, succeed in. Um, in everything. And uh, all the brands were doing 45 millimeter diameter up to 50 and more the the watch was big, uh, the more the watch was accepted. And today it's something which is really um, interesting because you have to develop something which is smaller, smaller. I mean, you can see, I mean, today the trend is really going to, to 36. It's amazing. Uh, the, the, the people are willing to make them a pleasure to buy a watch, but they don't want to show it. They want to keep it for them. They want to have something that is going to be uh, hidden by the shirt, uh, but they want to have something... Uh, something nice they still want to 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 have uh, the freedom and the pleasure to to buy something now uh i would say also uh, there is a big big trend in the vintage watches um, okay you can see i mean of course i mean there are a lot of uh, market of um, vintage pieces people okay there are the second uh, uh, hand watches we don't call it the second hand but the pre-owned watches today 
So there is a big trend because there is a massive uh, uh, retail, of course, of um, um, connected watches, okay, which is doing a, a, a big, uh, uh, which is a big success. So either you want to have something that is going to be futuristic, something that is going to keep you, keep you connected, okay, and at the contrary. You want, I mean, other people want to have something that has a history, that has a background. And these are two different uh, type of customers. So it's either futuristic, either uh, vintage style. And then for me, for my brand, Elka, I, you know, I mean, the, the, the brand died in the 70s. And then my idea was to resuscitate the brand in the 70s, exactly when the brand was, was uh, I mean, um, died because of the venue of the quartz. And so I didn't want to have a gap between the old uh, brands and the new gap. So, uh, and the new and the new brand. So this is the reason why I have chosen also with my logo, which I mean, it's not the old logo, but uh, invented logo. And also the design of the pieces are really reminding the, uh, the, this time of the 60s, 70s, I would say more in the 69, not after the 70 and not before, not the beginning of the, the 60s. And, but in fact, uh, okay, they are quite bigger uh, than in the past because if you want to buy uh, a vintage watch or a pre-owned watch, so then you really buy an old watch. You don't want... Uh, so if you if you want to buy a watch, I mean, which is done today, I mean, it has it have to have the the codes of today also. So then it's I would say my brand is kind of neo vintage watch. It's not an old one, but it has the aesthetic and um, the feeling of the the past. Thank you for sharing all that. I, I had a, a question for you. Maybe you haven't thought about it, but I've recognized that if times change, brands can also change. We have, of course, some of the older brands that throughout the past or at the 20th century, they, of course, adapted the design. Do you think that if, if the economy changed and people started becoming more optimistic about the future, you could sort of uh, advance your design throughout the ages? Like you start with a vintage design, could you sort of catch up to make Elka a timepiece of today? Very few brands have done this in the modern era, um, but I think it's an interesting design exercise. Could it be done? Of course. I mean, the, the, the thing is, I want to keep, I mean, the brands like, I mean, it was in the, the 70s now. Probably uh, then I will grow up also with the age. So today is 70, in five years it will be 75. Maybe, I mean, the time is going to be faster. I don't know. But I really want to keep this area because uh, I like this area. The first thing what I can do, I mean, is going, uh, and what the brand is going to do also, is going to colors. So you can see a try. Every brand is doing try uh, on colors. So this year you saw, I mean, the pink, you see the blue, uh, and I do also have this kind of colors 
uh, in uh, in the watch because I think the people are bored about the bad. Okay, that was the COVID. That was, I mean, the war in Ukraine. There was, I mean, a lot of things happening also the last months, last years. But I think there is kind of ralbol uh, we say in French, which is okay. They are bored about about the black uh, period. So sometimes. Uh, brands are trying to have a bit more colored things. That is a kind of um, wish to have better days. Um, and then, so we start by colors. And after that, I would say probably it's also by the size. And after that, also something that is going also, I mean, if it's really good days, that will be with stones and, and so on. I mean, there are kind of... Uh, events that are changing the design and there are also periods that are better than than others and the 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 the, the, um, the trend is going also to to evolve let's see let's see what is going to be i mean in the next years and i hope it's going to be a little bit more open but i hope uh, everyone is going to to still wear watches, automatic watches uh, for, for, for the, the most, because of course, uh, the watches are kind of uh, jewels, uh, men's jewels. It's like, uh, I, I'm always comparing watches and cars. It's, um, it's something that it's a mechanical, uh, jewels and, uh, it's, it, look, it, it serves a jewelry like purpose. It's not exactly the same as jewelry. But it serves a jewelry-like purpose. I was listening very carefully when you're talking about using colors to make yourself feel better. Uh, I agree in, in a lot of ways. I'm not so convinced that this sort of color pop trend will last forever. I think if you look back in fashion industry, you see these moments that are relatively brief where like crazy bright colors are loved and explored and then it sort of dies down. Um and, you know, I, 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 but I still enjoy it. I still think it's great. But I wonder if it's, if there's a price point, like you have a price point about 1600 Swiss francs, which I think is where people can comfortably buy one of your watches to say, you know what, maybe I already have a watch this style, but I don't have one with a lime green dial, right? So mm -hmm. if you have a color that they've been personally interested in, your design is conservative enough to work with almost anyone. So that in mm -hmm. addition to selling a nice vintage style watch, you also have this fashion play or somebody wants a nice classic looking watch, but in a very specific color, it, you, can, you can make a version of your dial in really almost any color, crazy color combination, I'm sure. And because it is such a timeless style, it'll serve. And so I think that's, that's interesting for me is that brands, um, you know, they haven't said, you know, I'm going to be the watch for people who want magenta. But that's sort of an interesting niche, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yes, um, of course. I mean, the design that I have are really something that, um, okay, in my my opinion, when I develop it, so I, I had two uh, options: either going to something totally crazy or going to do something really, I mean, vintage. Um, so we don't say vintage in English, but something that is uh, with uh, a spirit of the past uh, to redevelop the, the, the watch. And I think... What do you think uh, about the word retro? 
We say this in America a lot. It's very retro. Yeah, it could be something like a neo-retro. It's a new retro. It's not a real retro. Uh, But I think it's something that is going to last for many years. So when um, you have a a LK watch, it could have been worn, I mean, 10 years ago. It can be worn in 10 years or in 20 years or 30 years. Because, I mean, it's an automatic movement, of course. And that is going to last for, I mean, let's say, I mean, uh, the, the watches that we can find on the on the on, on the, the the market or in museum they could have something like 400 years is something that is still repairable and um, you know everyone uh, every brand has done also really contemporary design and sometimes so they're really uh, talking about one period of time so uh, let's say 20 years ago everyone was doing big Times with different step, different levels, and a lot of colors, but they are um, lost in this period. Today, you can't wear any uh, wear anymore this type of product. But I would say the LK watch, like I have the X model or the D model, uh, there are pieces that you could wear because they already have the style of the past. It's like I'm also um, um, riding uh, Harley Davidson. The Harley Davidson is something that is not going to to to, to die or to change uh, because it's something that looks like coming from the past. It has already a history in, um, in his style, in its style. Uh, but if you take a, a motorcycle that is really kind of racing motorcycle because of the color, because of the style, uh, in five years, the look will be already uh, over, how do you say that, overpassed uh, because it's something that is going to to evolve. If you already, I mean, develop something with a retro style, so you know that is going to last for years. I'm really curious, Akeem, what was the crazy futuristic direction you were maybe going in, right? Because you said you had to decide, like, describe it a little bit. Okay. Um, have you seen, I mean, the collections, right? So on my um, uh, Instagram, my, my private profile, you can see uh, pieces that I do, like uh, the Time Player, or like uh, the Space Odysseys, or like... Uh, uh, I remember those from Hamilton. It's all um, about Hamilton, or I mean, I did also a few pieces also when I was working at SWAT. They were really, really crazy. Uh, then, so it was something really kind of, of futuristic, something more like art, art pieces, more than a watch that you can wear. But uh, I think at the beginning, so it's something that uh, I I didn't want to to, to start because... Uh, I just want to make a name of the brand, okay? And probably in, uh, let's say, a few times, uh, when the brand will be more known, I will maybe uh, start playing also. But keeping keeping, keeping the the, the period of the 70s. I will not uh, come with something too futuristic that if I'm doing something that will be like, a neo-retro futurity, if you see what I, I mean. Something that, like, um, you yeah. know, I mean, in the old movies um, where you have, uh, there are the old movies that were talking about the futures, and I love this kind of movies, I love this kind of designs, so it is something crazy looking like uh, past futuristic things. 
Yeah, like classic science fiction. Yes, exact, exact. Hi, this is Ariel Adams, founder of A Blog to Watch, with a message about eBay. I visit eBay daily and have been relying on eBay to learn about and acquire watches for more than 20 years. Did you know that you can now buy watches directly from brands or their authorized dealers on eBay? Timepieces coveted by watch enthusiasts from brands like Zodiac, Loco, Parallel, and more are part of eBay's Certified by Brand program. Here's how it works. Luxury names are partnering with eBay to bring brand new and pre-owned watches and other luxury accessories directly to you. Certified by Brand includes a minimum one-year factory warranty for watches and offers an unprecedented selection of new and used watches directly from the source, all with the peace of mind you can expect from eBay. Visit ebay.com slash certified by brand for more information. So <laughs> again, I'm just, I'm, I'm thinking about all this and I'm remembering uh, a little while ago in Los Angeles, I was at an exhibit, a Stanley Kubrick exhibit. Yes. And there they had the original Hamilton watch from 2001. Mm-hmm. And I wondered why did Hamilton, they made sort of a, re- a replica of it, but not like an exact one. Like, what was it? That was such a cool thing. Why was that relationship not celebrated a little bit more? Like, they love talking about the Hollywood thing. I'm just curious if there's any behind the scenes story about 2001. Because I thought that would have been such a cool watch to sort of just make a real-world version of it rather than what was made, which was kind of a strange thing. Yeah. So, in fact, we really did. Uh, so, that was at the 60th anniversary. That was in 2011. We did a replica, which was really closer to, uh, to, the, to, to the original. So, in sort 2001, of, yeah. for the 50th anniversary, they, they wanted to I do rem- I remember. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, so we did something in 2011, something really, really close with a three uh, small display on the uh, on the, um, the bottom of the watch, plus um, uh, a big dial on top. That was really looking like the the old piece. And uh, so the three small dials, of course, I mean, uh, uh, in the movie were something like digital, uh, something special, but I mean, not, not functional pieces. Uh, I yeah. think for the movie, they did something like, I mean, I mean 50, 60 or 70 years ago, they did a prototype. That, uh, they did five prototypes, if I'm, uh, I'm, I'm reminding well. And um, so we redid something really uh, close. And we took the smallest, smallest moment that ETA had at this period, that was the E01, and to set the time that was with a small magnet to set the time. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. Th- that was really crazy. And so that was the first piece uh, in 2011. And I guess that was in 2012, we redesigned it completely. And that was a little bit more futuristic piece. Uh, that was really nice, all black with uh, sapphire crystal on side, on top. Uh, it was a really crazy piece. So it's something uh, it's called, I think, Space Odyssey 2. From, uh, from Hamilton. Yeah, I just wonder why they didn't move more forward with it because there seemed to be all this people that would buy it. You know what I mean? Like, I just, I, I, there's no right or wrong reason. I just wondered from your perspective because you had this, that's one of the most interesting things about Hamilton was these watches in movies, but also the fact that I guess producers would call you guys up and be like, hey, we have five days designed to something crazy. Like, how often <laughs> did that happen? 
<laughs> yeah, it happens. So, so we did a uh, uh, few pieces for, for the, the movies and we sent them also sometimes, but sometimes that was also a question from uh, the movie designers. And I wanted to have something crazy. I do remember also once uh, we did something for, for a movie that I, I can't tell the name, but uh, <laughs> we had to develop something really in a short time. So, I mean, that was only a dialogue I remember. But uh, so we had really, uh, as you said, five days to develop the dial. We sent it, but at the end, so another brand won the, the to, to, to be in the movie because in the story they were, uh, in the book, they were talking about a specific brand and at the end, so they didn't take, uh, Hamilton, but it's true. I mean, sometimes, so we had in question, uh, we had demands, uh, to, to do crazy things, uh, but in the timing that was not feasible sometimes. More recently, I think the brand has been successful leveraging that again, uh, they've done a better job of sort of coordinating, you know, the advertising with the movie or the video game, you know, coming out uh, and actually making those watches for sale. I remember I was with Sylvan uh, when he was there and, and um, uh, uh, Interstellar came out. Mm-hmm. And this was when there was a there was a prototype watch and, you know, it has this little moving hand that sort of does this kind of Morse code thing. And it has part of the plot and all that. And at the time, he's like, yeah, we're not going to make these. And I was like, okay, so I wrote this article about this cool thing because he showed I, 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 he showed me the prototype, you know, or the, the, the prop, the prop, so to say, from the movie. And mm-hmm. then I was like, you know, Sylvain, you would actually do well making these and selling them. He was like, I don't know. And then they did it. They sell like crazy. And, <laughs> and they make a bunch of different versions of it. And it's like, I, you know, I, you know what I mean? What, what are your thoughts? Uh, no, no, I mean, that, that, that's true. That's true. I mean, uh, yeah. It came out years <laughs> later. If the watch was sold when the movie had come out, think of how much better they did. There was such a lag time. It was very positive that this movie ended up being popular. But imagine this sort of strange thing where there's there's no thinking that people might want to buy this. But if you were able to coordinate it, you know, it's like in America, we know that like when the movie comes out, the merchandise better be available. The kids movie, you got to be able to buy the toys in the toy stores right after they go see the movie. Otherwise, what are you doing? It comes out six months later. You've already missed the mark. Mm-hmm. But that type of, um, you know, I'll call it organization or coordinating product with marketing releases is something that the, the brands have been doing better and better. But you can see that for many years, they were just terrible at that, right? But these days, it's so important. Uh, What what did you learn? What are some best practices that you learned about running your own brand when uh, spending a lot of time with the Swatch Group, Hamilton and Rado? You know, uh, probably you have such a more mature, uh, studied approach to starting a brand than if you were just a designer entrepreneur who never had that corporate experience. Yeah, you know, I mean, um, uh, talking about Hamilton, so that was in 2002 when I started working with the brands, just, I mean, when the brands came from USA to, to Switzerland, we were five people running the brands. It was <laughs> like, it, it, no, that, I mean, that's wow. amazing. That was really, I mean, uh, uh, kind of, uh, uh, um, um, uh, how do you say that? Um, 
uh, my, micro brand that was also like a startup that was really nice. So we were Matthias, myself, and the, the guy for for the, the 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 finance and the guy for logistic, and we were I mean a really 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 small team. And it is uh, really the period that I like the most. Uh, Developing things, uh, no, no, no rules also. I mean, so we could just, I mean, start from scratch because, I mean, uh, we had a big, um, um, freedom to develop something. So we, Hamilton did tons and tons of, um, um designs and it was really easy to take, to pick pieces from the past and to redevelop the future with uh, the history of the brand. And you know, when I started also working uh, for for my, my own brand, so I was looking for the name, of course, but then I was looking at the past of the brand to see what the brand was doing. And so, you know, I'm kind of at the same level uh, when I started also working for Hamilton. So... I'm by my own today. I don't have the power of the Swatch Group for the retailers, for the suppliers, for everything. But um, I have the chance to have worked with lots of people, okay, that could be, I mean, suppliers or retailers, and they know me. And uh, today, so I have from everyone uh, the chance to, to, to have the support of them. Uh, which is really, really, really good. So the Swatch Group helped me, in fact, to to start also my company. Today, uh, it's I have okay the freedom of doing what I want, which is I mean amazing, amazing. I don't have time to take uh, to 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 have meetings because I'm doing my meetings by myself when I'm riding my 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 bicycle or running or walking my dog. So all the meetings are like this, which is fantastic. Um, I have to to go to shows, so I'm just coming back from three days of uh, of shows. Uh, so this is the reason why I don't have the voice today. Um, and, uh, but I learned a lot in the past. I learned a lot with Swatch also when I was working uh, there to create pieces because I mean, we, at that time, so we did something like 400 pieces a year, 400 design a year. So I was handling the ivory collection and the skin collection. So I think, so I learned a lot to be creative, to be on time, to be ready for everything, uh, on time. But today, uh, the, the only thing is probably also, uh, the, 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 the thing that's okay. Just, I mean, going a little bit back. I have the, the freedom, but I learn every day. Every day I learn uh, developing things. I have to develop the display. I have to develop the watches. I have to develop uh, the marketing, uh, the website. I, I have never done a website before. Um, it's interesting. And also, I mean, the, the way of launching also the product, for instance, I can show you, I don't know if you see me on the screen. Uh, I will launch this week two new dials. Um, yeah. I mean, it's something that I'm learning. I'm today something almost uh, 58 and I still learn every day something. It's amazing. No, it's, you have to love learning to be an entrepreneur, right? Because if you don't... Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> Good I luck with that. that. 
I love that. I love that. I love that. By the way, I'm developing a second project in parallel, also, which is really interesting. I just uh, got a few samples here. Uh, <laughs> it's amazing. I love developing. So I think I'm a developer. <laughs> now, you, you mentioned about the freedom you have. And yes. I wanted your opinion on some of the reputation that big groups like the Swatch Group and others have where there isn't a lot of freedom and that creativity is difficult to get through all the decision-making and risk aversion process. Do you think that the brands, the big brands would benefit if there was more liberalism and decision-making? It wasn't so difficult. Do they have a lot to gain by being more relaxed? (laughs) You know, okay, I will not talk um, about myself because I had a big freedom working with Hamilton. And as I, I told you, we were five at the beginning. So then uh, there is no real rules. There are no uh, hierarchies. Uh, so I had the chance to have the freedoms developing the products because people were trusting in, in myself. I know this is not the case in all the companies because they uh, want to, okay, so they are on the product managers, and after that, the, the, the boss of the management of the product management, and 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 so there are a lot of hierarchies, and at the end, this for me kills the product. You know, I mean, the, the product is nice when you develop it uh, from scratch, when the product is rough, because he has a kind of real spirit. He has uh, something to tell. If the product is passing by one, two, three, five, ten hands, at the end, he will lose his taste. He will lose everything. So it's better when you have less hierarchies uh, in developing a product. That's my opinion. I I think that makes a lot of sense. Looking at your watches, they have the the G100 automatic movement produced uh, in Switzerland by Le Jeu Perret. And I think there's sort of an interesting story to tell here because uh, you were at Swatch Group at the time when there was this really big fight about we don't want to sell Eta movements to people that we don't want to sell it to. And the Hayek family said to the watch industry, remember, go out there, develop your own factories, figure out other ways of doing it, invest in whatever. And they said this. This was something that they said. And now you have a lot of it probably more than they would have guessed would have happened. And now you have this interesting situation where you have Le Jupere owned by Citizen, which is a great company, Japanese company, however. And now mm-hmm. you, former Swatch, is now choosing this. Uh, it's Swiss made, but based upon a Japanese architecture, a real hybrid, if you will, of the best of Japanese and Swiss elements to bring to a watch movement. Talk about the decision, because I know as a watch person, you don't just choose movements lightly. Talk about why this made sense for you. And is this sort of an irony? Yeah, it could be a kind of irony, of course. But um, I think, uh, so the period when Mr. Hayek Senior said, I want to open, uh, I mean, to to, to close the distribution, I want to, to not be the only one uh, providing movement to all the brands. I think, okay, at the beginning, so I, I didn't understood why, because, I mean, that was a big market. But I think it was really wise things to do it uh, because today, so you have competition. And competition means you have uh, the choice 
of having things and also to have novelties, creativities. Because if you have only one supplier, let's, I mean, compare to, to the, to the cell phone industry, you have one brand or two brands, that's it. In the watch industry, in the movement industry, at the beginning, you had only one supplier. Today, you have the choice to choose whatever you want to have to, uh, as a model for, for your, your, your watch. Uh, I'm really happy to have that. And in fact, I had the chance also to, to work with La Joupere because I think, as you said uh, before, uh, with citizen group behind, uh, so you have the, 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 the power of also of a big group, which is in the back, but you have the really good quality, uh, of movement, the really nice technology, uh, which is also a Swiss made. So a hybrid between Japanese and Swiss, but all Swiss made a movement, which is really good. But of course, I mean, it's kind of uh, irony. And also it's, uh, um, I would not be able also to buy the small quantities that I'm, I'm asking because, you know, I mean, at the beginning, so I just developed, I did my Kickstarter last year. So the volume is not high and I'm pretty sure. So I would not be able to, to buy also 300 or 400 pieces a year at the Swatch group because they want to have also uh, big volumes, uh, players. So that's, that's very interesting. So you're saying that in addition to them offering, um, you know, uh, this interesting product through Le Jupere, they're, they're easier to do business with, or they offer more flexibility. Um, and I guess, you know, what's interesting for me is that a couple of years ago, I was concerned that the smaller brands like Elka and others would face a time where they couldn't get their watches made, that with the suppliers being purchased by the big groups it would be increasingly difficult to just find anyone that could offer that. And if you wanted to make watches, you'd have to buy all the machines and there's very little you could buy. Mm -hmm. Now it seems that at least when it comes to movements, you're pretty safe. Like there seems to be a lot of good options, even within Swiss made. So my question to you is, do you agree? Do you agree that for the next, whatever, foreseeable future, um, a watch brand like yours and above, of course, in terms of price point, has a pretty good range of options when it comes to buying watch movements? Yeah, they do have, they do have now. Uh, okay. Um, so there are, um, they, they, they are, uh, different, uh, watch moments like, okay. I would say also today, Kennedy for the high end brands, but, uh, okay. Uh, you need to have also some, some volumes, uh, to, to buy. So it's kind of, uh, entry fees also to, to be there. You have also support, you have also Celita, you can also find, uh, your moment and they are increasing also the quality, the, 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 the processes and also the offer, uh, they, they do have. Uh, and also La Jupere is also going to increase the, the number of, uh, models, the quality and uh, the technology. So they have the chrono, they have the, the GMT, they have different, uh, type of uh, product that is going to, 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 to come, uh, to, um, I mean, to, to the market soon. Uh, yes, um, there are, um, offers to new brands like this now okay i would say uh, as i said also before i have the chance to have been in uh, the this business for 25 years and uh, i know a lot of people and i think that also helps 
to have different type of product movements that could be the sapphire, that could be the case, that could be the, 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 the movement or the straps. And probably also uh, the chance to have smaller quantities uh, while developing small volumes. Uh, because I'm not working like other micro brands. Uh, I develop my product. I have only one case. And yeah. then I have different dials and different hands and different straps. And that is the only thing. So then I'm uh, really working with that. I'm doing my own logistics. So I built, I developed, I, 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 I did the technical design of the product. So then uh, it's kind of puzzles. I would say other micro brands, they have subcontractors who are doing the whole things. Okay. And probably uh, these subcontractors, they have the connections with the movement manufacturer, with the case manufacturer, and they are buying big quantities. And that, I think, is easier probably for other um, brands doing like this. Myself, I choose to develop, like I did for Hamilton, like uh, for Rado, to buy every component, and then it's a puzzle. And I'm, I'm looking at which product is really selling, and then I'm giving to my uh, watch assembler uh, the pieces. Um, and well, you, your, really your way, while not the me- most headache-free way on, uh, on the surface, allows you to have ultimate control over quality and mm-hmm. the price of manufacturing. So you mm-hmm. know that you're protecting yourself from scaling problems. Because if you yes. need to scale with a third-party um, service provider that does everything, they will put huge barriers in front of you. So, you know, you talk about it humbly, but you already know this not, the mistakes not to make. Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, it's right. I mean, I'm doing it like this because, okay, that is my job, the job I did for many years. And I know how to handle this and I can do small production of five pieces. Okay. But if I would have to develop the brand with a third part, who is going to do the case, the diet and everything, I think I would have to take probably, I mean, big volumes of one dial of one piece. Probably I could change the straps. That would be the only thing. But today, I'm able to do, I mean, the dial I want, I can add the, the, the hands I want. I can do the engraving I want on the back because I have a lot more flexibility than others. One question I have about movements is something I've noticed recently, and it's a very different thing than sort of, I'll call it classic strategy. And that is the notion that you can more or less get away with having, you know, just time only. Whereas in the past, there seemed to be this pressure to say, okay, we start with time only, Got to have a chronograph now. Eventually got to have a tourbillon. Got to have a GMT. And while, yes, there is an interest in adding more complications, I think it's more in the interest of artistic variety. It actually seems that for a lot of consumers, if you play with a lot of other design elements, um, they don't really seem to care about too many other complications in the time. I'd like your opinion on this. Yeah, it's right. I mean, so it's a it's a strategy also, I mean, in terms of moment and uh, what you are going to sho- choose. Um Either you play with um, the habillage, we call it habillage in French, uh, which is the outside, the design of the piece. And then, of course, I mean, you need what? You need, uh, you need two hands, three hands to read the time. That's enough. Okay. Now, uh, now, if you want to take, uh, to have something a little bit more sporty, of course, 
you want to have a chronograph because a chronograph is going to to show who you are. I mean, you are sporty, then you need to have a chronograph. Probably it's only to cook your eggs, but at the end, you look like uh, someone who is going to do sports. But if you do sports, probably you you are going to to use something else. Um, but <laughs> of course, I mean, today, you're right. You're oh. right. I love how honest you are with it. Um, no, I mean, you can really play with a two, three hands is the simplest, uh, model. You can have also, uh, decorations on, on the back, uh, of the, 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 the movement to show also the movement that is going also to, to cost you a lot. I mean, in terms yeah. of, uh, of, of decoration, but it's really a strategy where you want to be, which price you want to, 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 to achieve. And as I'm starting also uh, with a new brand, with a new name. So the thing is, I didn't want to be over $2,000 uh, or 2,000 euros. And in fact, you know, that the, the VAT in France is 21 and in Europe, I mean, like I would say in Sweden, I guess it's uh, something like 25 uh, wow. euros. So then, sorry, 25%. And then, so the thing is, uh, for the beginning, I just wanted to be under 2,000 euros because all, all, otherwise, uh, most of the people are going to choose uh, um, established brands with, uh, I mean, uh, everything that is going, uh, I mean, with. Uh, so um, uh, at the beginning, the idea is really to go with the two hands Probably, I mean, in the future also, I will have a chrono, but not tomorrow, maybe after tomorrow. But I think is something that is bringing also something else to, to, uh, to, um, to the brand to have the chrono. Now, <laughs> I don't know what. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I was no, we're, lost we're, here. No, <laughs> you're, we're, we're talking about the movements and the desire for different complications. And you said that you... Genu genu generally agree and that you'd like, however, to add a chronograph. But I think we agree it's for style. I love the look of a chronograph. It's cool because it's it's it just seems like stuff is going on. But, you know, our brains are so easily tricked by things that are suggestive versus mm -hmm. things that actually do things. And for me, this is the beauty of the watch industry is it's the ability to trick our minds to put us in a different mood, make us believe that we are uh, an expert in some profession we don't know anything about uh, yeah. to trick the people that are are, are looking a little bit, um, you know. And once in a while, they are a true, uh, you know, descriptor of who we are. Um, we're we're basically out of time. We'll have to have another chat because there's so much we can we can speak about. Uh, the website is Elka Watch with a K dot uh, ch. Um, Hakim, where can people find out more about Elka and yourself on the internet? Uh, so I have Instagram. It's Elka Watch Co because I was hacked last year and then I lost Elka Watch. So oh my gosh! Yeah, I mean it's a crazy. And today uh, I can only play with twenty-five uh, demands a day. So uh, I mean it's really going slow. But I think I mean I'm most uh, on uh, Instagram and LinkedIn, of course. Of course. Yeah. Okay. Well, check out the brand and don't forget to check out their collaboration uh, between Elka Watch and Ace Jewelers of Amsterdam. Um, this has been the interview with Hakim El Kadiri. Hakim, thank you so much for being on Superlative. Thank you, Ariel. That was really a pleasure. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Superlative Podcast. This show relies on support from you, the audience. Please subscribe, review, and share Superlative with your friends. 
To get the latest watch news and enthusiast commentary, also listen to the Blog to Watch weekly podcast. For show ideas, comments, or business, please contact us at podcasts at a blogtowatch.com.